Thanks for tuning into the Woods Edge Student Ministry Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. For more information, you can go to woodsedge.org or look us up on Facebook under Woods Edge Students. This is one of my friends in town. He's senior pastor at Northwest Bible Church. It's over like in spring by Trinity Lutheran. Super cool guy, Ty, Ty Van Horn, so loving. So do you ever wake up on a Sunday when you're supposed to preach and feel completely useless and inadequate? If you have even a moment this morning, pray for me because that is exactly how I'm feeling before I preach two sermons to our junior high and senior high. At least this age isn't normally judgmental. Someday you'll understand that when you're standing up here. Oh, that's what he meant. Okay. All the deadly silent stares at you going, come on, dude, entertain me. You have 30 seconds. Out. And so then here's Ty's response. Actually, an hour and a half later. I know. I had to really suffer for a while. (laughs) But Ty responded, Holy Spirit, and I want you all to hear that. And what's so weird is this has everything to do with what I'm talking about this morning. Holy Spirit, thank you for the poignant reminder to Michael that he has nothing to offer apart from Jesus. Thank you that you love to bear witness and point all of us to Jesus, seen in our weaknesses and in our gifting. I pray that Jesus will be seen and heard through my friend, your servant this morning, as he speaks to a generation who desperately needs to see the Savior in Jesus' name. And that is such a kind thing. Um, we kind of go on, and I, I thank him, and it's such a blessing. And, 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 and one of the last things I said, and you know, it probably didn't help that last night I ended up with a pimple on the right side of my nose, the size and power that I have not experienced since junior high. Can y'all see this thing? Serious? Oh, my. Oh, now? <laughs> Thank you. Whoever did that, God's going to punish you. So seriously, last night, right, I'm already feeling inadequate. And then last night, I went to Baylor University. Does anybody have any feelings about Baylor Bears. All right. So I met and married my wife at Baylor. Uh, my wife and I were both yell leaders at Baylor. And so Baylor's like a big deal. So we had a great victory last night against Oklahoma State. And right at the end of the game, it's like we're yelling and screaming. And we're like, we won. And I sit down and like, you know, when you have the pimples and it's sore. And I'm like, why is my nose sore? All day I hadn't noticed this thing. All of a sudden, I sit down, I'm like, what in the world? And I'm touching it, I'm like, what is that? And I go to my wife, I'm like, what is it? She goes, oh, my gosh. I was like, oh, no. So I go running to the, to the mirror. Have you all been there? Yeah. Right? When you go to the mirror, I'm like, oh, it was huge. I was like, what in the world? And I did that, and it hit the mirror. Oh. Who's had one of those in the last week? <laughs> Somebody was like, I don't want to admit that. I'm flipping 42 years old. I thought pimples were far behind me. But I'm telling you, the Lord used that because I think one of the things that I struggle with most is wanting to feel relevant, wanting to feel cool, wanting to feel like, you know, I, it's, it's, it's bad. It's not healthy. It's not humble. It's one of those things that I tend to struggle with. And I think the Lord knows that. And I think this morning is so important for you to really pay attention. And this can't, and I know, and I know this in my heart, that this morning cannot be about me. So God sent me a pimple. He sent me all these, you know, all these trials this week to remind me that, that this is about him and not about me. 
And this morning, what we're going to talk about is uh, our verses, and we can put those up. All right. There it is. And so this morning, kind of the primary text is John 14, 15 through 24. And I'm just going to read these, and then I want to start us off with prayer. Is that okay? Yeah. All right. If you love me, and these are Jesus' words, so Jesus is speaking. If you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. Pay really super close attention to that. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't even recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. Now, understand the context of these verses in John 14 is that in the next couple of hours, Jesus is going to go through the greatest act in humankind's history. All right, literally a few hours from, from Jesus uttering these words, he's going to die for us on the cross, right? And, and imagine being one of those disciples, and you're one of the 11, right? And you're, you're surrounded with him. I know he had 12, but one of them had already betrayed him, okay? So this is, these are 11. And imagine you've spent three years of your life, and, and you believe that, that he's the Messiah, but yet everything around you is starting to crumble, and so when you think of it in that context, this is really incredible what Jesus does. Because there's all this tension, all this anxiety, all, the, every single man in that room has given up everything to follow him, but yet he's about to be murdered on a cross, and they're like freaking out. And this is Jesus's, this is Jesus getting them prepared for what's about to happen. So no, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you also will live. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. I'll let that sit. And because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Judas, not Judas Iscariot, but the other disciple, said to him, Lord, why are you going to reveal yourself only to us and not to the world at large? Jesus replied, all who love me will do what I say. My father will love them and we will come and make our home with each of them. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I am telling you is from the father who sent me. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, you know the kind of week I've had. Um, you know where my heart is. And so just in the name of Jesus, I ask for peace and understanding and wisdom, Lord. Uh, help me get out of the way and uh, help me be an example of that, God, that everyone listening in this room, that they also get out of the way so that they can hear your words, that they can receive the gift of your Holy Spirit because they love you and they're your disciple. Lord, thank you. I ask all this in your name. Amen. All right. So, amen. All right. Though that's like a lot of verses, I understand. But this is super important. And let's go to the next slide. Jesus does not promise these things to the world. So, what did Jesus promise those who would love him? Did anyone catch those in those verses? 
Like, what do we get for loving Jesus? Anybody? Anybody? Bueller? Yes. Eternal life. Excellent. What else? Yes, sir? Ah, that, that's a promise that those who love me will obey my commands and those who love me, I and my Father, the Holy Spirit will be in them. Anybody else? Yes, ma'am? That we will see him. Wow, thank you. You guys are really paying attention even better than me. The sum of the promise is the Father, the Holy Spirit, and I will be with you forever. We will never forsake you no matter where you are. So Jesus doesn't promise that. He doesn't promise eternal life to just anybody. He doesn't doesn't promise the gift of the Holy Spirit to just anybody. This is super, super important to understand. Because every week, and hopefully on Wednesdays, you guys come here to church, and we come supposedly to worship God and to know him, and Wood's Edge is about making disciples, right? Because that's sort of the whole point, is that we need to become a disciple of Jesus Christ. But what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? What does Jesus say over and over and over in these verses? I'm going to give you some hints here. In verse 15, I got to zoom this up because I'm old. In verse 15, he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. In verse 21, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. Verse 23, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. Verse 24, whoever does not love me, does not keep my word. So how does Jesus say, how are we supposed to love him? Yes, ma'am. By keeping his commandments. So does Jesus give us some commandments in the New Testament? How many? Ten. Someone always says ten. I like your spirit, but I think you're referencing the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament. Anybody else? Anyone feeling extra bold? Uh, Who said that? Did you cheat? Did you cheat? I'm just asking if someone gave you that answer. Did you use your phone? She doesn't have a phone. Neither does he. I don't even understand the relevancy of what we're doing right now. I'm just messing with you. She is, like, I am telling you, I preach all over the world, okay? And I think today, no one has ever answered that correctly. That's why I was like, wait, did I just hear? He gave over 100, over 100 commands. So here's, like, part of the challenge this morning. If you love him, do you think we should know the commands that he gave us? Like, do y'all feel like maybe that's important? Maybe I need to start reading a little more and understanding what Jesus commanded. But it's important to understand. And and this is like, I want you to hear this, okay? Because I I am like the most unreligious, non-legalistic. I am clearly, 
I'm in jeans and a sweatshirt today, okay, and a cutoff. And I'd really rather be in the cutoff because I'm getting very hot. But I'm going to save you guys the pain of seeing me in a sleeveless shirt. And so, like, I am not about legalism. I am not about rules, okay? It's not about rules. It's, and, and notice, every time Jesus talks about this, he always precedes the obeying my commands. He always says before that, what does he says? Those who love me. So it's not those who follow my commands. Ah, those are the ones I know. So the rule followers are the ones that I love, and those are the ones I know. That is not how he says it. And that's an important distinction, right? Like, you can't flip that around. You, that becomes legalism. That becomes being like a Pharisee, and ooh, you do not want that. He always says, if you love me. So for those who already love him, they're the ones that are obedient to his words. So you follow his commands and you're obedient to commands to his commands because you love him. You already love him. You're already a disciple, a disciple of Christ. Do you get the difference? Are we cool? That makes sense? Because I mean, I do not want you walking out of these doors. It is not about a set of rules. It is about loving him. And when you love him, people will know that you love him actually by how you love others. So how you treat the people around you shows me whether or not, gives me a clue that you may actually be a disciple of Jesus Christ. So it is not about rules. It's really about freedom. So I don't have to wear a fancy suit up here, right? I have to, I have to love him. And out of that love, of course I want to do what he says. How many of you are obedient, like, how many of you honor your parents' kind of boundaries or rules of the house? Anybody? Not everybody does. And how many of those people that you would say you really do love your parents? Like, you love them, ah, almost the same amount of hands. And these are, the, like, you might, you probably don't know who I am. Oh, by the way, I got another great sort of God thing right before this sermon. So like I already felt inadequate. I already felt broken down. I already felt like I'm ready, Lord, for this to be about you. But yet Jesus was like, let's just make sure. So I'm here like super early. I'm in the back. I'm trying to get my notes ready. And a young man who will go nameless, but he's sitting right back there with his hand up. So he comes up. And this was the cutest thing. He comes up and he goes, hey, I heard that uh, is Smiley preaching today. I went, Smiley? He goes, yeah, that guy is Smiley. I went, do you mean Smalley? He goes, yeah, Smalley. Do you know if he's preaching today? I was like, <laughs> I'm like there with my computer. I have my notes. And I go, yeah, Smalley's preaching today. He goes, oh, that's so cool. I can't wait to hear what he has to say, which is super exciting, right? You're like, oh, wow. I got a little fan. And then there's this super long pause, right? He's like, oh, I'm so excited to hear what he has to say. And I'm like, and he finally, I go, you know, I'm Smalley, right? And he goes, you are? And I went, oh, I'll never win. So it was very sweet and condemning at the same time. You know, nothing is better for the ego, right? <laughs> One, he mispronounced my name. At least he didn't say a smelly preaching today. That would have really brought me back to junior high. 
the pimple, people calling me smelly. I'm telling you, shower regularly. <laughs> Guys. <laughs> and so it's just like, oh. But here's the point, though, all right? And this is why at Wood's Edge we are so committed and, and with everything in us, we want to make disciples because the very nature of being a disciple is someone who loves Jesus, follows what he says, and then goes out and makes disciples of others. Well, here's why you want to do this. It's because of the promise, right? We can put that slide back up of the promise. I think it's at the end. I think it's the last slide. I'm totally going out of order here. The sum of the promise is the Father, the Holy Spirit, and I will be with you forever. We will never forsake you, no matter where you are. But y'all, listen. This promise is not for those who do not love him and follow him. You don't get access to this. But this is super important if you are going to overcome the world because Jesus said, Paul said it, like there's going to be troubles. This week, wow, were so many troubles for me. I know, I know probably every single one of you sitting in here today has trouble in your life, whether it's a bully, a teacher, a parent, a sibling, you're struggling in school. Uh, I mean, like there's just trouble. Following Christ doesn't mean there's never going to be trouble. He, the Bible, Jesus says, look, you're going to be just like everybody else. While you're here on this earth, you're going to experience the same junk that everybody else experiences. However, the difference is that when you believe in him and you love him and you obey his commands, you get the Holy Spirit. And it's the Holy Spirit living in you that is the great counselor. He is the advice giver. He's the one that is going to speak to you when you need him most. It's the Holy Spirit, by the way. Like, you don't even have to, you don't even have to stress out about verse memorization or whatever because the Lord promises that the Holy Spirit is going to bring to mind those things that I have said. So the Holy Spirit helps you understand his word. He helps you follow his word. And he helps you in the times that you need him most. David, could you get the water that's up to your right? Up there. Could you bring that to me? Like, it wasn't meant for you. <laughs> Sorry. Everyone, this is David Smiley. Thank you. You're very kind and loving and good looking. You know, this isn't really the time for a conversation. Okay, so we want to be obedient and we want to love him because we get, he promises that we get the gift of the Holy Spirit and it's the Holy Spirit that's going to speak to you. So how many of you have ever had the Holy Spirit speak in your life? I'm curious. All right. And when we say that, sometimes I know, especially if you're not a believer this morning, you're like, I don't see those weirdos again. And it's not necessarily going to be an audible thing, right? But it feels that way, right? You raised your hand, right? And, and like, you just, you hear him. I know he, he, he might feel audible. I know that's been like that for me. But he comforts us in times, right? It's like, man, I am freaking out all of a sudden. It's like the Holy Spirit comes up and goes, yo, I got you. You're like, ah. Oh. 
right? That's where that comfort comes from. And so a few years ago, I got invited to preach at these big crusades across India with a really famous Indian guy. Uh, big time, I will not give his name, but super famous guy. And everywhere we went, we had hundreds of thousands of people show up. So these are some of the biggest crowds I've ever preached to in my entire life. Uh, in Rajamundri, we had 250,000 people. When I got up on stage and I looked at the crowd, I mean, it was overwhelming to be in that kind of experience because every 100 yards, they would put a big light stand thing, right, to try to provide some light. So every 100 yards, they had a light stand. They had 10 of those light stands. Okay, the crowd went on forever. Now, what was, so that was super cool, but it's kind of chaotic. India is a really difficult country. I've traveled literally all over the world, except for the Middle East and Australia. I know those will come here eventually. And India is tough, man. Because of the caste system, do you know what the caste system is? They have a hierarchy. So if you're at the top, you're smoking, you're loving it. Like life couldn't be better. When you're at the bottom, it's not a good thing. And the bottom, man, the slums of India are the worst slums that I've ever experienced. Asia, I mean, everywhere, Africa. Nothing was as just broken down as India. And so I'm doing all this stuff. Well, while we're traveling through India, there's a militant group of Hindus, so a terrorist group that is following us and threatening, and, and they're killing people. So up to this point in my life, I'd never seen anyone dead, really, I think I'd been to a couple of funerals, but never like people murdered. And in the city of Rajamundri, the day before we got there, they murdered dozens of people that had been trapped in this slum place. And so when I showed up, I'm the only white guy. And the mayor's like, I'm so grateful you have come to our town. I went, oh, you're very welcome. He goes, would you please come and visit those who died yesterday because of your coming? I mean, like, what do you say? Eh, I don't really have the time. Right, so I was like, well, yeah, of course. And, 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 and I'm surrounded by death. It was so overwhelming. It was, I mean, it, it's hard to describe, okay? And so in Rajamundri, though, we went from there, and this terrorist group is just getting worse and worse, and it's really getting intense, and there's issues at hotels, and it's kind of, you know, and to where we finally end up in Vishashkapatnam. Try to say that three times. Vishashkapatnam. Actually, I have to say it with an Indian accent to get it right. And so we're in Vishashkapatnam, and uh, this terrorist group, so like a lot of the things that I do when I travel is I do comedy, and so like one of the crutches I try to lean on all the time is that I just want people to laugh, and I want them to enjoy their time, and, and if anything, if they walk away and they laughed, I feel like, all right, I succeeded. But when you're in a totally different culture and you're trying to get people to laugh, it's, you know, it's intimidating. But I found out, just sharing my experiences in country, these massive crowds were like rolling. They were just like, they thought it was so funny, all the different things I was going through. And so by the time we got to Vishashkapatnam, the terrorist group sent a note saying that we think Michael Smalley is really funny. (laughs) And we're inviting him to our, basically our secret terrorist camp because we want to meet with him. And this crusade dude goes, you got to go. And I go, I know I look stupid, but I'm not going to go to the terrorist camp. And he's like, what do you mean? I go, just say it out loud. The white boy 
from America is going to go to the secret terrorist camp. Does that sound like a good plan? And he gets super upset. And I'm like, I'm not going, man. I got young kids. This is, uh, this is clearly a trap. They want me to get to the camp so then they can torture me and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, come on, that's ridiculous. Well, I offended him and he kicked me, like just booted me. I went, oh, this is not good. So I had to get back from Vishashkapatnam, which is on the eastern coast of India, all the way back to Mumbai, which is on the west coast. It took me 11 flights, but my whole trip started in Vishashkapatnam. I had to get on a train. And when I bought my ticket, <laughs> this is the story of my life, I go, yeah, I need a ticket. And I looked at like first class, second, and third and well, I'll take a third-class ticket. And the, and the little train guy tried to help me. He was like, I don't think you want a third-class. You will want first-class. I was like, I don't need to travel first-class. I'm like, the rest, I'm fine. I don't need first-class. I'll take third. He's like, I don't think this is a good idea. I'm like, give me the third-class. Uh, put up the picture of that train. That's third-class. That's what I rode on from Vishashkapatnam for an hour. When I went up, and I went like to the side of that fence kind of a thing there, and I'm looking at that going, what have I done? I squeezed my way into that train. Not, not that specific train, but actually it looks very similar. But that's what I saw. And when I got on the train, the stench was so overwhelming. They actually, I noticed holes in the ground, and somebody saw me like, I had just thrown up, actually. Before I got on the train, I threw up because of the smell. And then I found out a lot of the smell is that they cut holes in the floor of the train, and that's where they poop. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm overwhelmed, right? So would that stress you out? Yeah, that would. And then I take 11 flights to get to the other side. When I land at the airport, the local airport in Mumbai, I get abducted. I get thrown into a car against my will and they drive me in the middle of the night out to the middle of nowhere, Mumbai. And then they pull out a knife, show the knife. They pull out this massive knife and they say, give us all the money you have. And I'm thinking, oh Lord, but here's the gift. All right, this is the gift. I'm in the middle of nowhere, India. I am scared out of my mind. I don't know what's going to happen. Is this it? Is this how I'm going to die? Getting sliced open. Show the next image. Imagine being three in the morning. It's pitch black and you're in a neighborhood like that. Like that. This is terrifying. Because they don't have lights like we do. So it is pitch black. This is utterly terrifying, but because I love the Lord and, I, and I, I desire with everything in me to be obedient to his commands, I have the gift of the Holy Spirit. And three flights before, before I landed in Mumbai, in the middle of the night, I'm getting off the plane. Does the Lord know what's about to happen to me? Yeah, do I? I am done with this country. I was on that train, right? I've been followed by terrorists. I've seen dead people. I'm out. I am spent. I have no more energy. And as I'm getting off this plane, the Lord speaks to me. 
and he says, I want you to get $300 cash out of this ATM. I was walking right by, and I, and I literally looked to the Lord. I went, what are you talking about? I'm not going to spend another dime in this country. Lord, I'm just trying to get home. I'm done. Why would I? I don't have $300. I mean, I did, but that's like was a lot of money, and I'm going, that is dumb. It's going to be in the local currency, and the Lord was like, do it. Does he ever speak to you like that? Where you know, you're like, all right, fine. Don't yell. And so I got $300 of local cash. That ends up being about this tall. Straight up. It took up all the room in my bag. I was so annoyed. I was like, Lord, you're such a, this is so weird. Ugh. But I was obedient. But the gift was the Lord saying, get the money. And now hours later, I find myself, put the knife back up in the back of a car with a knife about that big, waving it in my face, threatening to hurt me. And they say, and I quote, because only one of them didn't speak English, the other one kind of did. It was, give us all your money, and we only want local currency. Seriously, have you ever known a high-maintenance thief? Like, you know, it's like, usually it's like, just give me your money, right? But no, not these guys. These guys specifically wanted local currency. And then what do you think popped into my head? My bag. Lord, you're a little rascal. I didn't know. But all of a sudden, I'm sitting there, and I realize how he's protecting me even here. Even in this darkness. Even at knife point. The Lord's like, told you you were going to want that money. I'm like, don't rub it in. I was obedient, reluctantly, but I was obedient. He's like, you're welcome. I'm like, thank you. So I get all the money out. And, I, and you should have seen their eyes. I pull out this stack. I'm like, funny enough, I have a bunch of local currency. And I give it. And they're, I mean, $300 would be like a year's worth of wages probably for these guys, U.S. And they're like blown away. And so now I'm still sitting there going, so is this when the cutting starts? And they go, get out of the car. And I was like, oh, don't do that. So they boot me out. Now I'm standing in, that, in this desolate neighborhood. It is pitch black. I am terrified of the dark. There's a lot of reasons that I don't have enough time to go into, but mainly it's my older brother that just terrified me growing up. Like, I still, I'm 42. I can't sleep with the lights off. Like, no deal. No part of my body can be over the bed because one time he hid under my bed dressed like Freddy Krueger. Mm. No, he really did. And like that hand came up with the razor things and he dragged me under and I thought it was demons and yeah, that was not cool. <laughs> so I'm standing there in the middle of the night. It is pitch black. I can't see. I can smell that I'm not in a, the right place. I'm, they drove me 45 minutes into nowhere. All right, he's already bailed me out. Right, so I, it seems like I'm not going to get cut up, probably not until they leave and then people see, and then I'll get hurt. <laughs> and then the Lord speaks to me again, because I'm crying out. I'm going, Lord, I cannot be left here. This is not okay with me, and I'm freaking out, and I'm crying out, and I'm going, what am I going to do? See, this is the gift, y'all, that this is why you follow him. Is because in those dark moments when you're hurt by your parents, when you're hurt by your siblings, when you're hurt by your friends, you get access and already have the Holy Spirit living within you. So when you're in that moment, you get a stand there and you get a cry out to the Lord going, help, 
and he responds. He promises to. And in that moment, I'm crying out to him going, come on, you've already come through. So like, you know, teleport me, put like a shield, like a glowing shield around me. You know, give me an angel army that's really super bowed up and more fit than me. I'm like, you know, do something. And the Lord in his infinite wisdom says, knock on the window of the car. Ask them to drive you back. And I went, (laughs) that's funny. I get it. I'm obviously not going to ask the men who just robbed me at knife point and drove me out into the middle of nowhere and ditched me for a ride back. Like, I don't think they're going to be super open to that. But the Holy Spirit was like, just do it. I was like, I don't want to. This is weird. You don't ask people who just robbed you for help. Does that seem intuitive? Is that like something you think, hey, you know who might help me right now? The guy who just threatened to kill me. That's a good solution. I didn't feel that, but again, it was, I knew it was the Holy Spirit because it's certainly not a plan I'm going to come up with. So I, on the window, <laughs> it was pretty funny because the guy was like counting the money. I'm like, tunk, tunk, and he goes, Dree! and he cracks the window. I'm like, seriously, I don't even have a knife. What are you so paranoid about? And I go, um, yeah, this is going to be a funny question, but would you give me a ride back to the airport? knowing that they're going to get angry, come out and stab me, and I would bleed out like a stuck pig. And the guy looks at me like, he goes, one moment. He looks over. They get into this violent screaming argument. I mean violent, like they are screaming. The one guy's waving his knife. I was like, oh, my gosh. I mean, total chaos. They stop. He cracks the window back in, and he goes, get in. I go, really? He goes, Captain. I got in, and they drove me back to the airport. I thought, wow, he is so faithful. I know, and it was that calm. They went from, ah, Captain, you may trust us. We're only going to cut you. But this is why, this is why you become a disciple of Jesus Christ. Because for those who love him and obey his commands, the promise is you get the Holy Spirit inside. And when you have the power of the Holy Spirit, you have the very nature and essence of God willing to direct your life, to comfort you, to protect you, to guide you in all things, to give you wisdom beyond your years and beyond your understanding. This is the gift. This is the promise. But, and I'll end with this, but only for those who love him and... (laughs) Thank you. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for the gift that you gave on the cross. Um, Lord, thank you for the promise of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I I don't make it. 
Lord, there are so many stinking times in my life where having you and having the Holy Spirit speak truth into my life, convict me, Lord, challenge me, guide me, protect me. Lord, that's, just, that's the gift I want for these young people here this morning. And so, Lord, may they respond to your words this morning. God, let them choose to love you and obey you. Lord, let them discover what it means when they fall deeply and madly in love with you. Lord, I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Woods Edge Student Ministry Podcast. Please feel free to share copies of this podcast, but do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way. For more information, please visit woodsedge.org or find us on Facebook under Woods Edge Student.